0: your host, Ebony Ellinger.
1: Hi, I'm Alwasane. Can I, I'm so sorry. My cat is like at the door. He's gonna, I think, okay, okay. Let me let him in real quick. Okay. So sorry about that.
0: <laughs> You're great. What type of dog do you have? Um, He's really small. So he's a Yorkie poodle. His name is <gasps> Cricket. Um, he doesn't look like all the, like the Pinterest-y Yorkie poodles, but He's, he's his own person, his own, like, yes. being. <laughs> and he's so, I can already tell he's adorable. He is. he. Well, he's adorable to me. I feel like it's, like, how every mom says that her newborn baby is beautiful. And for the mm-hmm. record, I think most babies are kind of ugly. But my dog is super cute. He's very cute. Except for right now, though. I Last week, we were supposed to do... Um, last Saturday was his adoption day. So it's been four years and I wanted to do photos, but I cut his hair like so terribly. Now I have to wait until it grows out a little bit more so I can make him actually look nice. He looks really like, he looks like he's been living on the streets. Not like Megan the Stallion wow. streets. He looks like he's not living on the street. <laughs> Why did you do this dog dirty like that? I, I just wanted, cause I always cut his hair. I've been cutting his hair for years. I do a pretty decent job at it, but it just takes an hour because he has long, curly hair. Like, nigga really walking around with like 3A. (laughs) What what the hell is this? Um, So it takes forever to cut, and I let it go out too long. I got tired of looking at him, and I was like, I know you First of all, I know you can't see because your hair is all in your eyes. I feel bad, but I don't have the energy to cut. And do, like, nice, like, give you, like, a fade or something. So I'm just going to shave it all off. Not a
1: fade. (laughs) Your dog is black through and through. He gets faded. He's
0: white, but he's black. He's the only white man I'll ever love. And that's okay. (laughs) So, Awa, question to get started. Do you think you are funny?
1: Why would you do me dirty like this? Honestly, I think I'm pretty funny. But I think that I'm, like, a like a white jokes kind of funny where it's just kind of like corny, funny. That's yeah. Cause I, I'm in this uh, TikTok group group called the Negroes of TikToks, but our <laughs> account got banned like two different times. So now we're on our backup account and the way they roast each other, I try to do that and it just doesn't work the same. So I think I'm just kind of like corny, funny.
0: Yeah. I think I would be one to be like, ah, oh, you loser, lame. And people will be like, ha she's funny, she's hilarious. But really yeah. I can't be, I can't, like my goal is to be able to one day, like somebody, maybe they step on my shoe. And I say, oh my God, ma'am, are you gonna apologize? She'd be like, no, F you. And that could be like, <laughs> your shoes were from Kmart, you dumb bitches, why your man left you. And she's in tears, no! everybody's clapping. Ooh. Like this is my like revenge fantasy, but I, yeah. I'd probably just be like, okay, like have a good day. Yeah
1: no definitely I think that that's my inner like real housewife of Atlanta coming out where I yes. think I'm like Nene Leakes or Portia or Kenya I cannot read like them like if you bump into me and I and you try to like I ask you to apologize and your response is fuck you I'd just be like protect your energy I'll walk away yes. just you know th-
0: that's just kind I'm of like well, damn okay like that would just yeah that would be like the most <laughs> yeah yeah I can't but I try do you think you're funny I think, I think I'm funny in the same way. Like I would, I would use like weird corny lingo. I can't, I can't read somebody in my head, in the shower. I am the baddest bitch there ever was. That is period. No, if, ands, or buts. If you come across like shower Ebony, she will break you down into tears. Yeah. But you know, Ebony at Target, Ebony in Walmart, <laughs> she's just chilling. She's just, she's just having, she's just vibes.
1: Yeah. That's the thing. When people like this always sucks too, because if you get me mad enough, like I'm trying to get leave toxic all from coming out. She's not a good deal. Haven't seen her since high school. Don't want to see her. She's a bad, all the vibes are bad, but if you push me hard enough and you would have to do something really, really messed up, I'm gonna start coming from your mom, your dad, your yes. third cousin removed. <laughs> Like my mouth is very sharp. I don't want to get there. Like let's just let's just avoid her at all costs. Yeah.
0: yeah, and I think that's different than like reading someone. I think when you read someone, it's like sassy and funny. But I think yeah. if you reach like I'm that same way that once I reach a point, then I think I'm just mean. Like I'm not funny about yeah. doing it to get laughs. People are just like, "Wow, like you're a bitch." Sometimes, yeah, yeah. And
1: that's not. And I think it's just like if my boundaries are crossed one too many times, then I'm there.
0: Yeah. How many times would you say?
1: I'm a very, honestly, I'm a pretty passive human being. So like it would take a, that's what I'm saying. It would take so much for you to get there. So if that I would still feel bad after I did it because I, I genuinely like just want to treat people the way that I would want them to treat me. Yeah. But if you get to that point, like I've tried everything. I've sat you down. I've had a conversation about it. I've cried. It would take a lot, but you deserve it. You deserve it. So.
0: Question. So. I was I got into an argument with my with my uh, best friend like a long time ago. And we realized that our conflict resolution skills maybe clash. So like she is the type where if you're if she is doing something that you don't like, she wants for you to call her out in the moment. Just be like, hey, stop that! I don't like that. But I am like, you know what? I will text her afterwards. Hey, do you have a time to talk? Make sure I'm chill, she's chill. Then we'll sit and we'll talk it out. But now she's yes. like, "Well, why didn't you tell me in the moment? Like it's been yes. a week." I'm like, "But I was mad in the moment. I'm trying to not like say things I'm going to regret." So, what are you like? Yes. Which one are you? I'm
1: definitely you. I I realize that with my roommate. She's more so like, if there's conflict, deal with it in the moment and let's move on. And I'm just kind of like. I don't know where a lot of my boundaries are because I've never, I'm so used to people walking right past them and me letting them do that. So I've started being like, it will take me three days to realize that something really, really upset me and why it upset me. And then I can finally get to the place where I I can articulate my words and be like, Hey, can we not do this anymore? And by that time it's like winter, you know, (laughs) this happened in spring and she'll be like, "Awa, like, I won't do it anymore. But like, I would appreciate if you would tell me things in the moment. And I'm just kind of like, but I can't like, I don't work like that. Yeah. I can't. It's like, re- yeah, I,
0: I, feel I completely really, relate. I feel really bad because like, I understand her perspective. Like for her, she is saying, as far as I know, I'm walking around making Ebony upset. So that's making me anxious because I don't know if you're upset. Now I feel like you're yeah. upset about 99 different things mm-hmm. and we could have handled that. But I'm like, But it might be because, as we were saying, like, when you cross my boundaries too much, then I'm just like, it's level 99. Like, I'm just going to come for your whole family. And I don't need to. So I'm, like, mature. Let me just sit. Let me deal with the emotions, process them first, and then come by and talk about it. And yeah. also the same thing about boundaries. Like, sometimes you're like, that made me feel weird. Let me just think about it. And then in the shower, or you're doing your hair, and you're like, when Yo, what the yeah. fuck was up with As, her?
1: Yes, absolutely. You don't even catch the shade until after. But also for me, like, if you're my friend, I'll never blow up at you like that. Like, mm. I'll never just like, oh, yeah, I'm coming from your mom. I'm talking about someone who was, openly disrespectful more times than I can count to the point where I've come up to you and been like, please. And I think because of that, people view me as a very weak person, but I just think that that's emotional intelligence to be like, I'm trying to communicate with you. And that's the thing that bothers me the most is like me trying to genuinely be vulnerable with someone and communicate my emotion in terms of cost is like weak, or I could just walk all over her. And it's so infuriating because I'm trying to just be like a good human being, you know? Exactly. Like, it's
0: like, I'm not a doormat. I'm just, I prefer to communicate maybe when we're both in a good head space. Like that, right. just because you have a different communication style and your communication style maybe is not immediately confrontational, that that doesn't mean that you can just say whatever. Like at the end of the day, like we still, I still have boundaries and when you cross them, I will stick up for myself. That doesn't mean you can just say whatever.
1: I agree. And then when I get mean, sometimes people, I don't necessarily get mean, but when I'm very like, I stand firm and like, you are not going to do this again. And if it happens again, we're kind of done. Like that's it. There are no ifs, ands or buts about it. I'll be calm when I tell you, but it like shocks people. And I don't understand why. I don't understand why like respect has to be given when you're treated disrespectfully. I don't understand why respect can be given when I'm just kind of like conveying my emotions to you in a very, Hey, this made me feel this way. I would really appreciate if you didn't do this. Again, I'd have to be like, never fucking do this to me again. How dare you? And like kind of go off on them. So I've kind of made it a point to eliminate those people from
0: my circle because it's tiring. Yeah. And last night I was watching the Bad Girls Club because I was never allowed to watch it. I was never allowed to watch it growing up. I was so angry. And now I'm like, you know what? I'm an adult. My mom's not gonna come down here and take away my Hulu account (laughs) that I pay for. Let me watch Gaggle Club. And those are my same age, and they're freaking crazy. Like I don't, I, I remember being like eleven and ten, like secretly watching or seeing commercials and thinking, wow, they're so strong and confident. No, you're literally like a danger. Like please, yeah,
1: these people are bullies. Like they really are, and like when you're younger, you just don't see it. Cause like, I think like that's how people our age act This is in this very immature way. Yeah. But I think they have it on, excuse me, BGC on Netflix now. So I watched a couple episodes and I was like, almost couldn't watch. Cause I was like, this is so fucked up. How mm-hmm. are y'all fighting over like food right now? Or, you know, like they'll fight over the dumbest things. And then they'll even go to the point where they're like, I'm going to throw all her shit in the pool. And I'm like, yeah. No, those are children. I used to always say to myself, I'd be like, if when I get older, you know, if I didn't want a career, I would go on that show. I would never fucking go on that show.
0: I I don't need it. And I don't need even even now. Um, I think I was watching, I think I started off with season seven. And that was set in 2011. And it just made me realize, for one, the types of girls that go on Bad Girls Club are not the girls that are known for their niceness or their inclusivity or their um, Mm -hmm. anti-racism or (laughs) anti-sexism. So it was literally 2011 and they were calling each other like all these different kinds of slurs for trans people or queer people. Even I think the, the latest one, which is just really lighthearted, super funny. This, she was white and, One of the black women came into the house. They were talking for a little bit and her like talking head and she was saying, oh, I really like her. Like a lot of my friends, she and I are really vibing. And a lot of my friends, you know, back at home, they're just like they're black or whatever. And so I just feel like that's why we're going to really get along. And I was like, if this were 2020 and you said that, like people would come for you. They would ask you to explain what is black or whatever mean just because we're black. But right. In 2011, that was totally normalized. Like, what? No. Do you have guilty reality TV show pleasures?
1: Yeah, I do. Like, I kind of mentioned the Real Housewives of Atlanta, but, like, in their earlier seasons, those girls were, and still some of them are, very homophobic, yeah. transphobic, colorist. It's a problem. Like, I-, I feel like a lot of reality TV shows played on that a lot. They just wanted to play on the stereotypes because th- that's what got views during that time. That's what, it like, Got people mad and angry, but now when I look back at those things, it's just triggering because I've learned a lot about myself, and I know I'm very firm in my identity as a bisexual black woman. So watching those shows and watching like the tropes that they play on just to get a laugh, like it, it's bothersome to me because those are experiences I faced growing up that affected me a lot. Exactly. I don't exactly
0: like yeah. exactly the same thing, and watching and like I think questioning your sexuality as a kid growing up, and you're yeah. Like, But as far as I know, if if all I watched was, you know, like Paris Hilton's My New BFF or reality TV shows, Bad Girls Club, et cetera, you're going to think that those are bad, negative things. Um, And especially for, like, bisexual, pansexual people where we literally had no representation. And if we did, we were always, like, sluts or skanks or hoes. Right.
1: Yes. That really was, like, just promiscuity in... The by bi- like it was just so hard. Like, I remember, like even now, I still get comments when I tell people I'm bisexual. They're like, "Oh my god, let me get my girlfriend to have a threesome." And yeah. I'm like, "Okay." It's just like people think bi- bisexuality and monogamy are not they're mutually exclusive, which is very frustrating to me. Like, I don't understand
0: why. I think it's because like people can't. People can, but they don't know how to place it in sexuality. So my example I always use, I'm like, okay, so like, is, especially for people who are black, I'd be like, okay, so do you prefer to date black girls or white girls? And like, oh, I prefer to date black girls. I'm like, okay, but white girls are still hot though. But are you going to leave mm-hmm. your black wife for every white girl you see that's attractive? Right. And they're like, right, oh, no. Right. They're like, so you're going to stay married to your freaking wife, aren't you? Or, and use the same thing for hair color. Like, you, it doesn't have to be race. It can be hair colors, like cultures, different locations, there will be hot people everywhere. And no matter what gender they are or what race they are or what your preference is, you're not always going to just leave your partner to go be with them. And if that's what you choose to do, know that there are also heterosexual couples that are open that have lots of partners and whatever. And we should just normalize all those different types of relationships so people feel comfortable choosing what works for them.
1: Yeah. Also, I think a big thing we need to start doing as well is everyone needs to stop worrying about everyone else's sex life. It's literally none of your business. If you're not sleeping with that person, it, it should not matter. So to like try and, and, and stop people or like stereotype a whole demographic of people, especially when it comes to sex is dangerous. I feel like, because it, it leads to like people not being educated on that demographic of people it leads to hate crimes there's just so many other nuances that come with just placing these broad stereotypes like bisexual people are promiscuous on a whole you know demographic of, 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 of like a whole sexual orientation so
0: yeah all right and we're gonna have to stop and take a quick break and we'll be right back people that you look up to like people who had a huge impact on you growing up
1: oh god okay
0: I think I think
1: for me obviously we have like the Beyonce's and all that but is a huge one for sure but I think for me like Carrie Washington AOC very strong women figures even like to go as far as Ariana Grande I think she's amazing her uh, I think Doja Cat's awesome. Anytime a celebrity can take their controversy and kind of monetize it and push away from it, especially when it comes to race, because I don't know if you knew why. Like, did you know why Doja Cat got canceled?
0: Yeah, because she was uh, allegedly had some like white supremacist stuff, right? Right. And then she like
1: came on the internet, like completely explained all of it away. And there was still this demographic of people that's like, Doja Cat's colorists and racist and all these things. And she's thriving now. Like, I think, that, yeah, those, oh God, this is also a hard question to think of on the spot, but I think women are mainly the people that I look up to the most. Very strong women. Especially since I didn't have, like, the strongest female character in my life. And in regards to a mom, I have a lot of figures who I look up to for, like, every single thing that I do. Michelle Obama is, like, a great one. She's, like, kind of at the top for me.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think it's hard. I know there are people who are diehard Nikki stans. They're like, yo, if Nikki tells me to jump off a bridge, I'll do it. Or, like, Beyonce. I mean, at this point, Beyonce, I love her her fan base would kill Jay-Z if, she, if Beyonce said. If Beyonce was like, I'm done with Jay-Z, they'd be like, all right, Beehive, get your knives ready. But right. <laughs> um, I think there are women that I look to for small aspects of my personality, and I don't think I could be like a diehard stand for any singular sort of person. I love like, right. the stuff that Ariana Grande does, the way she stands up for herself in terms of how people talk about her sex life or her dating life and how right. she... Especially handled like all the trauma she went through with the bombings that happened, like losing her dear friends to drug overdoses. I think she's an incredibly strong person, and that's very underrated.
1: But I think so too. Yeah, I look more. I, I I look more at these people, like what they do. Um, I don't. I think it's you know, I have this weird thing where I don't think it's smart to stand anyone because we're all humans and we all make mistakes and to glorify someone to the point where they can do almost no wrong is problematic. I would say it's just as problematic as cancel culture because you give these people all this influence. It's kind of the six nine effect at this point. Like no matter what this man does, for some reason, he will always do well. And it's, and Jeffree Star, and it's hard to pull these people down because they've gotten to this point of like, Fame and glory and success, where you can't really touch them. And for but, those
0: people specifically, they got famous for being controversial. So their fan base just replaced. So now it's like, whatever Jeffree Star does, we're just gonna be like, oh, that's Jeffree Star. That's but- Jeffree
1: Star. Yep. That's like expected of them. And yes. like this behavior is expected of them. And it's really, really, I don't know, I'm against it. But when it comes to just like, I like the way people carry themselves. So I think, um, Michelle has an amazing way of carrying herself. And I, I, I really like, I'm, I like being uh, someone who's very, let me try that one again. That was a, that was a, okay. I like being someone who's very educated on things. And she kind of was the first person to be like, you really can do it all if you want to do. So I love that. But especially
0: as a dark skinned woman too, I think being able to see that, representation I think was something Mm -hmm. that I needed to see I remember I made a post maybe about two or three maybe honestly four weeks ago because I do acting and I love being an actress but I recognize that as far as like celebrities that uh, there was a question I saw on this magazine and they said can you name any dark-skinned black actresses under the age of 30 and people say oh like Lupita or Issa Rae, but both are over 30. Can you name any dark-skinned Zendaya equivalent? And there aren't really many. Like I could no. name like Sky Jackson, um Marseille Martin, but they're not A-list yet. They're not A-list. No. But right. like who who can I name? And so if I'm trying to grow up and look up to girls who aren't as light-skinned as Zendaya or Yara etc like who do I have and I spoke about like why I loved um Viola Davis and Michelle Obama so much because they filled up that space for me of representing darker skinned black girls saying hey the world tells you you're not pretty I think you're gorgeous like I think even if you and even if you aren't pretty go to college get a degree like life is not entirely dependent yeah on your your appearance or who likes you or who your friends are achieve anyway. And I think, I think that's specifically why I'm so tied to certain black celebrities because they are sort of telling me things that I wasn't told a lot growing up.
1: Yeah. And that I really, really needed to hear. And I think also um, they've been more accepting than the people that I know in my own life to be like, I I know for Viola, um, her skin tone was a really big deal for a while. And I, cause there was this whole like Twitter conversation about how, t- like she was too dark. And, um, my mom is a West African and a huge part of that culture is skin bleaching. So I never really heard a lot that my skin color was beautiful. My mom even went as far as to be like, well, you used to be lighter as a baby. So if you would just wash your face more, you know, you would go back to that skin tone but like hearing the messages that they they gave me really resonated with me as a child. So I also like I really really understand what you're talking about when you say that. Like their yeah. messages do resonate.
0: Yeah, fully agree. And I think I think one of the biggest ones for me at that time was Brandy as Cinderella. I think was the first yeah. first like dark skin princess, first black princess that I saw and I was like wow, like I don't have to look like Cinderella, like. And first no. of all, we talk about the diversity of you know that version of Cinderella. She went ahead and got y- herself break. a nice Asian man. They were a beautiful couple, like. Yeah. And he loved her for who she was. It wasn't you're too black or you're too this. Like she was just enough, and she was beautiful, and he loved her. And I think, I think I clung to that so much growing up, and I, it sucks right now that. I guess maybe that movie is too old for like little girls growing up in the twenty twenties yeah. um, to watch.
1: Don't say that. I don't want to think about. I can't believe it's twenty twenty. <laughs> like anyway,
0: I know, but yeah, I, I'm really grateful for the women in my life and and the women um, I look up to who were able to be that representation for me, and I try to make sure that when I see other black little girls, I always try to tell them you're beautiful and you're smart. Like I try to figure out how I can like fit both because I think people, right. don't. I think people get upset and say, stop calling girls pretty, but not realizing that, especially for like girls of color, black, Asian, etc. Like we need to be told that we're pretty because we're told so often that we aren't. That
1: we're not. Right. Absolutely. And I have, I have four sisters and three of them are not even, they're under the age of 15. And I think the one who's 14 is the most like me Um, beautiful chocolate skin. She just started wearing her four C curls out. Like her hair is huge now. Cause she at like, when she was 12, she was kind of like, I think I want to go natural. And she didn't really know what she was doing. And my mom would always relax our hair because she didn't know how to do it. Mm -hmm. She kind of had to deal with my mom constantly be like, your hair looks rough. It looks a mess. Like go fix it. And she stuck it out and seeing her be able to point out all these different like little black stars. That are coming up. She follows so many black black creators, like um Sarah, she strikes dumpster on um on TikTok. And Jax is um what's her username? I don't know, but they they're these TikTok celebrities and she follows all of them. And it's cool also now to have a platform where I can kind of connect with them and be like, hey, my sister loves you, and she has that connection <laughs> because I know like seeing the dichotomy of how we were raised, kind of how I was like brainwashed into this very Eurocentric beauty standard. And she's kind of almost rejecting everything that that is means that like all the times that we've spoken up, even what you're doing now, like going on your podcast and talking about these issues are making such a huge impact. That we don't even know for the younger generation. So I'm really happy that that's happening at least.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I see, I see your TikToks. I see the stuff that you talk about. And each time, I mean, before she was saying like, "Oh, Evie, you're so pretty," but like, "Oh, like you are so pretty. Like your skin, like literally, it's glowing. It's like I could put you up as a lamp in my room and it would like fill it with light. Like Stop! that. Stop <laughs> that's, that's amazing. Thank you. And I think we Thank just, you. I hope that. Well, I don't want to say I hope I'll speak into existence. We are doing that for girls that are coming up and just for the people listening to their podcast, even if they're not black and they're listening to this, I hope that they can pick up on our experiences and be able to reflect and use that to question, like, do I have internal colorist beliefs and how can I dismantle that within myself? Um, right. Yeah. I think a lot of times growing up, I didn't, I didn't, really recognize colorism until I started getting on TikTok like within the last year and started seeing the wider discussions about it and then I was able to categorize like oh that experience that I was growing up with I didn't quite have a word for that was colorism right oh it makes so much more sense now and then you can like come up with closure a little bit and get over it rather than constantly being confused about an experience you had when as a kid
1: right I I definitely agree I think like when I was younger, I also dated. <clears throat> unfortunately, I, I I date every race, so I've kind of had a, an experience in each culture and each race. Like how they they per- perceive me as a black woman, and surprisingly enough, this might be a, like an, anom- an anomaly of a situation. I've only experienced colorism on an extreme scale within the minorities that I've dated. And I feel like that's because it's pushed onto them by colonialism. So like a lot of their hierarchy within that culture is like, okay, the darker you are, the more you're at the bottom. And then the, the, the light, the light skin people are more praised, which I, I remember in like 2014, that was like a huge thing. Like light skin, the right skin. I've never seen an ugly light skin before. That was like the blow up of the light skins. Um, and I think, like, the colorism that I faced, um, having a name for it, like what you mentioned, was so important for me. Because I just looked at myself in the mirror and I would just be like, oh, don't go up to that guy. He's talking to that beautiful, light-skinned girl. That's who he's going to go for. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize I was thinking like that until I figured out what colorism was and had to like dismantle my own belief internalized colorism and that belief system that I had against myself which probably affected so many boys that I got but I'm gonna let it go I'm gonna let it go and breathe anywho
0: so how many things would you say that you didn't do because you didn't think you were pretty enough to do it
1: oh god I didn't like for one thing I would never have done social media before because I just didn't think that people would want to even engage with me I like the way I looked at the world was very feature-based so like what you looked like on the outside kind of determined your self-worth mm-hmm. because that's how a lot of my life like existed for a long time was like I didn't look this certain way therefore I wasn't awarded xyz thing so um I probably didn't go after a lot of um, goals that I wanted, like a lot of my own dreams. I've always wanted to like do acting and content creation and modeling and all that. And I didn't go into that kind of. Re- You're doing it now though, right? Cause you totally. Can- I, okay. I'm definitely doing it now, but okay. <laughs> before friendships, relationships, like everything basically revolved around what I looked like.
0: Yeah. I, and I wonder if maybe, I hope that that is just like being a kid and like that's me just too. Like, being a kid is like, I know, like, I didn't even want to go to prom. I remember my parents came over to me and they were like, you're going to regret not going to prom. And I was like, in my head, I'm like, I'm too ugly to go. Like, I don't. First of all, I didn't have any friends that were there. Um, I had one friend, I think, come senior year because that was right when Black Lives Matter started to really ramp up. And I was going diehard into that, recognizing racism. And then unfortunately, when you're in a southern country school kind of stick out yeah Um, but yeah i i thought i was too ugly to go to prom and i i can't find the pictures like on an old phone i need to like i guess take the sd card out but i remember i i think back to that moment a lot and i'm glad i ended up going i ended up going um my parents drove me around and got me a dress last minute did my hair last minute and i still have my prom dress i I felt really beautiful for the hour I was there of a three-hour event because we got there late. And I don't regret going. And I think back to that moment a lot as an example of, like, going forward, making sure that I don't think I'm too ugly or that I'm too dark-skinned or that I'm too lame or too X, Y, and Z to do something, to just do it and trust that it's going to happen. I guess just trust Yeah. That I have to trust that – what am I trying to say? One of of my favorite quotes is, like, do not trust your future self. And so I have to say, like, maybe right now I'd be too scared to go to prom, but I have to trust that at prom, future Ebony, that I've made it to prom, that she would figure out how to make it fun. Like, I have to trust that I can make do with whatever it is, and rather than trying to psych myself out and just not do it, I need to do it and – trust that I'll figure it out along the way.
1: That's an amazing quote. Yeah, I'm actually going to start applying that to my life. I think I went through a lot. I didn't start thinking I was attractive until I came to college, um, which was last year, which sometimes I think about that. And I'm like, wow, you thought you were ugly up until this point. And I'll go through back through my pictures and I'll be like, oh, uh, like, I'm so sad that you told this to yourself for so long. And the second I started, like, I'm not fully confident yet, but even I just you have to fake it. Because the sec- the more you fake it, like, the more you hear that little voice that every single time you tell yourself you're pretty, um, if, you're re- if you if you always thought you were ugly, there is this voice that tells you, no, you're not pretty, you're ugly. Mm-hmm. And you believe it for a while. And then I've just kind of gotten to the point where I'm just kind of like, when you go to this event, you're going to be the baddest bitch there. Exactly. It's, it's going to be so hard being, the- it's so hard being this person, but I will show up so y'all don't have to, I will deal with the men. Y'all don't worry. I will deal with the women too. Y'all don't worry. I got it, you know, but it it takes some time. It takes a long
0: time to get there.
1: Exactly. You should have never been there. You yeah, should have never I, I been
0: think, there. I think for one, it's kind of like fake it until you make it. I, I remember reading. I remember seeing this video of this girl, of this woman, um, and she said, "Hey, you know, maybe I'm not hot, but I'm gonna act like I am. So, right, said, like I'm gonna be the baddest bitch in the event." Maybe it's not true, like, in terms of appearance, but in terms of confidence, absolutely it's true. So even if I'm insecure in that moment, I just need to talk to people like, yo, I'm the, I don't know, I'm the Beyonce of the moment. I'm the Rihanna of the moment.
1: Right? And, like, for me, I also think people put so much emphasis on looks, and then you get past those looks, and there's nothing there. Uh, I really I think I have an amazing personality that's like for so long because I thought I was really gross and like if you if your dating pool is white men and I'm saying this because I went to like a predominantly white school with five like black kids in our grade that were like kind of in my class because you know I think like if you take like AP classes you have like the same Same, amount of the same group of kids the same group of kids going through we had like five black kids throughout that whole you know and if you don't they're not on your schedule that's kind of it Mm -hmm. so my dating pool was white kids and if you have a blonde blue-eyed white girl and a black girl those white boys most of the time are going to pick this white girl so like i constantly was like like had this validation system every single time something like that would happen that i was ugly like i was like oh yeah no see there you go. So I just relied a lot on my personality. I was just kind of like, no, but you have a dope personality, dude. And so, yeah, it's not about looks. We just live in a very looks based society. But honestly, I'm at the point where like, if I'm dating looks make up like a good 10% before you have to have like ambition, emotional intelligence, personality, makeup, everything else. So like, it will not get you far the older we get.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because at the end of the day, like, if I just want artwork, I'll just buy a painting and hang that up. I don't need to just have, like, if you're going to be a beautiful person in my life, you need to have, like, a beautiful personality, you have the substance underneath, otherwise then you're just decoration. Like, what exactly right. are you providing for me? I mean, right. I do I do agree, like, pretty privilege is a thing, and I recognize that, and I guess as I've gotten older, I've started to realize, like, where I have that in my life, mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. But I, I also I, I think I agree about having to build a personality and trying to be funny and outgoing and social because I don't know. At the end of the day, right now, y'all can't even see my face. You you if you're not yeah. following me on Instagram, you have no idea what I actually look like. But ideally the people right. listening to this are still entertained. Like are you right entertained? Now, um, like I- they- <laughs> So um Yes. Yeah, I, I I have to develop a personality and just being able to build upon that and using that to get you forward. Um, yeah. Because at the end of the day, I want someone who makes me laugh, who makes me happy, and looks isn't going to do that. Nope. Yep. You're right. You're 100% right. I think, like,
1: I've kind of gotten to the point where I can just acknowledge that people look the way they, I don't focus too much on the way people look anymore. And I think it's Mm -hmm. because I've stopped doing that to myself. So I can focus on so many other things now that I'm not just like, oh, uh," like before I would never go out with my natural hair. Um, And I would be like, yeah, gross. Or like if if I was wearing a wig and people knew I would want to kill myself, but (laughs) I just don't care anymore. You know, you just do what you need to
0: do. And I'm gonna wear a bonnet out too. If I don't feel like doing my hair, Y'all going to catch me in a bonnet. It is what it is. Yes.
1: Also, while I'm here, telling black girls to do their edges is a microaggression. You will not te- tell me otherwise. It is. Yep. I'm just going to move on from that. It's not a skill Saying I, I look-
0: have. So <laughs> whether or not it is a microaggression, I'm going to call it that today so I can just not have to defend no, myself. No, for sure.
1: <laughs> what, what's your favorite? I don't think we talked about your favorite, like, the people you look up to and stuff.
0: I had a similar upbringing. To, so I grew up in a rural I grew up in a rural Texas town, um, and I say rural. I grew up on the rural side of it. I'll say that. Um, where Where are you from? Midlothian, Texas, which is just outside of Dallas, like yeah. an hour or so. And so, like, we were on the news because a kid drove his tractor to school. Like, my backyard had cows in it, and my aunt lived two horse two houses down, and she did barrel barrel racing. She had horses, like. We lived on these wow. large plots of land. I lived across from, I think, it was a cornfield maybe? Like, that's like the ruralness of my, countryness of my town. So growing up, I didn't, I was struggling so much because I didn't have words to explain the experiences mm-hmm. I was getting. And even though I would come home and tell my mom, she be like, oh yeah, like that's racist. And I'm like, oh, so that's what it is. That's mm-hmm. why I feel this way. Okay, cool. But then, unfortunately, it's like as we were saying before about recognizing something, processing it, and then trying to go back and defend yourself or have a conversation about it. I didn't have the resources. It wasn't like personality. It was like, okay, if I go here and talk to this person and tell them not to make fun of the size of my nose, they could be like, "Or what?" Because the principal is not going to do anything. They can just say whatever. No,
1: absolutely not having. I. That's the one thing. Even to this day, I'll think back at moments. There were definitely microaggressions or straight up racism. And I I, like it hurts me so bad at the time that I couldn't stand up for myself, knowing the knowledge that I know now. But I've learned to forgive myself and that if I if I could have stood up for myself, I would have. I just didn't know better at the time. And I'll do so in the future. But not having the words to explain your experience makes it just so much easier for you to get gaslit, especially in a predominantly white school to be like that that is not racism. Those issues do not affect you. I think a teacher told my sister that because we fell into a certain tax bracket that a racism couldn't affect us. and that and I was just kind of like, why are, why is racism and black people synonymous with poor and not having money? Like that in itself is a microaggression that like they don't take the time to educate themselves on. And then you, as a 14-year-old in a high school class, in a predominantly white school, don't have the full, well, my 14-year-old sister does, I didn't at the time, have the full-scale knowledge to defend yourself in a situation like that. And then you just sit there with this shitty feeling until you go to college and you're like, fuck, are you sick? Are you You take right one
0: black studies course and it explains like ah! your entire
1: <laughs> high school experience. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Honestly, I, this discourse happens a lot where they'll be like, I will not raise my kids in a predominantly white environment. And I'm very strong willed in that. It just won't happen because you are setting them up for a certain amount of failure. They are at a disadvantage to be around people who don't understand them all the time. So they can't even focus on school. They're focused on like rejecting other black people sometimes, or because they reject themselves or like figuring out why their place in a society that doesn't really have a place for them it's just really
0: difficult. Yep, and I think I think Ebony now, who's very like pro black and like loving her blackness and is happy having her sort of mixed race group of friends. If she were right. in high school, I whole ass would have been expelled because I would have popped off saying something. Yeah.
1: Oh. Yeah.
0: Definitely would have said something that would have made somebody mad, and I would have owned it. I would be like, okay, or what? You going to expel oh. me? Okay, fine. Yeah. Do it. I'll call the NAACP and get myself back here. Or run me a check now for the discrimination lawsuit that's Please! about to come on up, sir.
1: We can run it up all day. Y'all are gonna learn. <laughs> They're gonna learn to do better. Cause yep. if you just wanna it just it just sucks because I know how many black kids or not even just black, even though I, I do believe black people are the most more marginalized. People of color, just in general, in these school systems that are going through this. I think it's abuse. I do. To, like, abuse these children like this and validate them and then brainwash them into thinking that it's correct. It breaks my soul because it happens so much more than we know.
0: So, Awa, where can people follow you, find you, online, connect?
1: Uh, Okay. So, TikTok's my main platform um, and Instagram. And it's all underscore Awasane. And uh, my YouTube is just Awasane.
0: This week's hot girl highlight goes out to Rebirth Garments, a clothing company that, quote, specializes in gender non-conforming wearables and accessories centering non-binary, trans, disabled, and mad queers of all sizes, end quote. It was founded by a queer non-binary Filipinex artist, Sky Kubaku. They sell masks with your pronouns printed on them and even masks with special windows to make it easier for those with hearing disabilities to communicate. What I love about Rebirth Garments is that it is focused and dedicated to making garments specifically for people who are part of the queer and disabled communities as a form of celebratory resistance. That's a quote from Sky's TEDx talk. Too often, those communities are shoved to the side. We're not thinking about how clothing can play a huge role in creating a more accessible society for disabled and trans people and queer people. Sky is bold in their dedication to showcasing body, race, gender, and ability diversity in all of their ads. And the way that they blend artistry with accessibility and with radical self-love is not only inspiring, but also invigorating. It's something we need to see everywhere, and I'm so grateful to continue pushing their company forward. Check out their website and Instagram at RebirthGarments. So now we're going to talk about healing from trauma. I'm not a therapist, definitely talk to a therapist, talk to a sociologist or psychologist, psychiatrist, people who study brains and emotions and people. Talk to an anthropologist, maybe they could help too. But I want to share my personal stories and my personal hot girl tips. I really loved what Alwyn and I spoke about, and she was originally just supposed to be just the intro, you know each episode I have is just like fifteen minutes of me talking to somebody, and then we go to the interview. But I loved what always was said, and I loved your conversation that I felt like it would be a disservice to cut it short, but Camilla, a comedian who we will see next week, I felt like it would be a disservice to have an episode that was so long that I felt like people wouldn't be able to really process one before they got to the other because Camilla is so powerful that I truly, truly cannot wait to show y'all. But anyway, let's get started. Um, in regards to healing from trauma, it's that sometimes we are trapped in a situation, especially given what all and I said, we are two darker-skinned black women. We are trapped In American society, it's not like we can easily just get up and run away to another country. And sometimes the only way to be free of a situation is to be spiritually free, is to be emotionally free if we can't be physically free. And that applies to so many things, not just living in an American society that is incredibly colorist, but also applies to living in an abusive family or having a really toxic workplace that you can't afford to leave yet. Sometimes we are trapped in situations that we know are bad for us, but we're not always in the position to leave physically, but we can always leave emotionally and leave spiritually. And when we're dealing with trauma, the best thing to do as part of healing is to take the power back and controlling my reactions and my responses. And also my internal thoughts was, and is the best way to take my power back. There's So many painful things and memories that have shaped who I am today. I think one of the most pivotal moments that is sort of branded into my mind, I was in high school and my family had us on free lunch. We really didn't make that much money. And so every morning I would come in you know, at 7 a.m. and I'd have to go and get in the free lunch line. And I was one of the very few black girls in my school. And every morning I would come in and had to pass by this table of boys, and they would point at me and say, Ew, so ugly. And that just devastated me every morning. I had to walk past that and deal with that. In addition to all of the other mental and emotional issues that come with my life situation at that time, with just being a high schooler, with the racism, with The traumas we were starting to see on television and to come in every day, every morning, just to eat and be called ugly. That was pivotal. That shaped me so much. And I even hesitate to say, I mean, I graduated high school with no friends because of the racism. I graduated college, not really with any friends because I dealt with so much racism again my senior year in the fall. And that's just me with racial trauma that I have to choose to heal from. There are other forms of trauma that people pick up as well, whether that's with family or with work or with their romantic or romantic relationships or their friendships. We have to choose to heal and healing to me is not always forgiveness. Do I forgive those boys? I do not. But I do forgive myself because a lot of times I would go back to that memory and wonder, why didn't I talk to the principal? Why didn't I run away? Why didn't I go to breakfast at another time? And Ebony at 17 years old was just doing, she was just trying to get breakfast. That was her only goal was to eat for that morning because there was nothing to eat at home. She picked up trauma in that instance. And so I have to forgive her for that decision. Because she was just doing the best that she could. She was just trying to make it through another day. And sometimes we have to look back at decisions we made that were innocent like that. Or poor decisions in terms of things that we might have done to hurt other people. And forgive ourselves for that. And that's a way I can take my power back from those dumb teenage boys. (laughs) Ways I can get my power back from that moment. And so many other experiences that y'all all might be dealing with. I hope that y'all stop playing and overanalyzing past memories. I hope that you forgive yourself for poor decisions you've made. For not leaving early enough, for going left instead of right. Forgive you, forgiving you, forgiving yourself, however that should be phrased, is where things need to begin. And I hope you learn to see that light that is shining within you That will only get brighter once you learn to truly love who you are and focus on healing. Because you don't necessarily need your friends or your family to be there on the other side of healing, especially if they are toxic to you. The person you need right now is the fully healed and fully formed version of you, the best version of you. I want you all to be so dedicated to healing that you're willing to walk away from things without guilt, that you're willing to say yes to opportunities without fear. And we didn't get a chance to do the hot girl tips with Awa, but I wanted to share my hot girl tips for healing. And number one is to forgive yourself. Look back on poor decisions you made, on things that you did that were wrong, things you wish you did. Maybe you skipped prom when you wish you went. Maybe you let your fiancé walk out and you wish you ran after them. Maybe you didn't take the job that you thought would be perfect. But you need to forgive yourself for that moment and stop beating yourself down for a situation you can't go back and change. When you know better, you do better. And at least you can know now that you're not going to make that decision again. Number two is to avoid alcohol and drugs. And I don't mean that in an anti-drugs, this is your brain on cocaine kind of thing. I mean that the best way to deal with your emotions and overcome trauma is to confront them head on and be aware and be present. That being said, if you need to talk to a psychiatrist and get medication, then go do that definitely go do that because that actually would be beneficial in helping you confront things if the emotions you're dealing with are too overwhelming. Talk to a therapist. Everybody should be on therapy. The last number one or the last, whatever, what am I on? Number three? The last one, number three, is to build a chosen family. And that especially goes out to my queer and trans folk This is not new to us. We didn't have to do this, especially when our families may kick us out or may rest, et cetera. Building a chosen family could be joining a club or doing a therapy group or a book club or a sport or taking a class, getting involved in some counterculture thing in your town, basically going out and socializing and getting a chance to meet other people You got to know and explore and try out different things so that you can learn new techniques and apply that to your own life. But basically, find sisters and cousins and brothers and moms and dads if you don't have those already that you want to include in your chosen family. Chosen family can be your actual birth family or legal family. Chosen family could also be people that you meet that you aren't biologically related to. But the key word of chosen family is chosen. And the people you let into your life is always going to be your choice. The way that you overcome trauma has to be your choice. And sometimes that is closing the door on people who aren't good for you. That includes friends, that includes coworkers, that includes family. Build up a support system. There was this great quote that I read on Pinterest. My favorite place, of course. And it basically said, well, not basically. It literally did say that flowers grow back even if they're stepped on. And so will I. That's the full quote. So apply that to you. Flowers grow back even if they're stepped on. And so will you. Is that corny? I guess so. But I like it. I think it's cute. So that's the show, Hot Girls you all got a little hotter today. I'm your host, Ebony Ellinger. The Hako Hour is hosted, edited, and produced by yours truly, Ebony Ellinger. The music was made by Imani, and you can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at HeyEbony. It is Hey, H-E-Y, and then Ebony, E-B-O-N-I. You can follow the show too at the Hot Girl Hour podcast. DM me. Tell me what you think. Did you finish your Hot Girl homework? I would love to hear from you. And don't forget to leave a five-star review of the show. It would mean the world to me. Thanks for listening, Hot Girls. See you soon.